This is J.D. Fascinetti, and you're listening to another exclusive podcast from Pituitary World News. Today's podcast is about endocrine nursing. We invited a group of leading nurse practitioners, educators, and a student to discuss the challenges and opportunities for this specialty. This is a fascinating discussion about the importance of this profession and the need to inform and educate so more people join the profession. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. A quick program note. During our recording, we lost con- uh, the connection with Lisa Shepard from the UK, and we have scheduled a recording with Lisa and invited Ben Moore from Australia to bring us their insight and knowledge of endocrine nursing. So please stay tuned for that. Here's our discussion. I am thrilled to have here uh, four fantastic endocrine nurses uh, that are going to talk about the state of endocrine nursing today, the problems, the opportunities, the challenges, and, uh, and uh, what they see for the future. So let me introduce our panel. Uh, uh, I have um, the pleasure of having Lisa Shepard today from the UK. Lisa is an endocrinology advanced nurse practitioner at Heart of England NHS Foundation Trust and clinical doctorate research fellow at University Hospital in Birmingham, England. Uh, so welcome, welcome, Lisa. How are things in the UK? Thanks, JD. Th- thanks very much for in- inviting me to the podcast today. It's it's our pleasure. Also with us is Catherine Kreider, Associate Professor, Director of Endocrinology Specialty at Duke University School of Nursing. Dr. Kreider is also a nurse practitioner uh, for the Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism and Nutrition at Duke University Medical Center. Welcome, Catherine. It's great to see you. Thanks so much, JD. It's really fun to be here with you and with all of my esteemed colleagues. Thanks. And also with us is Dr. Chris Yedinak, Assistant Professor uh, at the Family Nursing Practitioner and Clinical Research Trials who oversees patient care also at uh, the Oregon Health and Science University Northwest Pituitary Center. She was educated in Sydney, Australia and has a background in psychiatric nursing and tertiary education. And her research interests include pituitary pathology and Cushing's disease. And for the past 20 years, she has specialized in neuroendocrine testing and pre- and post-operative care of patients with neuroendocrine and pituitary diseases. Uh, welcome, Chris. I know that you just returned from Australia, so Thank thanks you, so much for joining us. <laughs> I am still jet-lagged, jet lag but still. it's great to be here. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And lastly, Laura Cheng, who, as you all know, uh, is a veteran of the uh, Pituitary uh, podcast at Pituitary World News. If you don't, if you remember, uh, Laura has acromegaly and did a um, podcast where she talked about uh, her experience with the disease. Uh, Laura is a registered nurse and currently enrolled in the Duke University School of Nursing Endocrinology program where she is pursuing with, uh, uh, I should say, working with Catherine, correct? That's <laughs> uh, right, yeah. <laughs> in pursuing her master's degree in nursing. So uh, welcome, welcome all. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for joining me. Um, 
So I thought today we would talk about the state of neuroendocrine nursing, the opportunities and challenges that you face in your careers and in your work. Uh, what are the opportunities and the challenges? How do you know? Are, uh, how do we get the word out about neuroendocrine nurses so more people choose to to uh, to to join the profession? Uh, because uh, nurses play such a critical role, uh, and very often, as you all well know, uh, the nurse is, is the, the person that is intimately involved with a patient to improve their quality of life, particularly in the world of pituitary medicine where these conditions become chronic. So uh, uh, thanks so much for the work you do, and thanks so much for joining me and, and uh, explaining and getting all this word out to our audience. Um, so. I thought we would start with uh, something called interprofessional practice in endocrinology. And uh, if you can tell me um, what does that mean and how does that work and why is it important that we discuss it. So, uh, Catherine, why don't we start with you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a topic that is so relevant for all of us in healthcare right now. And, and you'll see a lot of this literature when you look at best ways of educating healthcare professionals and also best ways of caring for patients. And so when we think about interprofessional approaches to healthcare, it's really talking about how all of the different disciplines come together with their respective expertise to create the best possible care for the patient. So that's nurses, that's physicians, that's nurse practitioners, physician assistants, that's you know physical therapy, for example, pharmacy. Um, so the scope is really broad as far as all the different um, roles that that encompasses, but it really is so important when we're dealing, especially with patients with chronic disease management. Okay. Uh, Chris, uh, is that your experience too at OHSS? Absolutely. Something that you no, I, I think several things. Knowledge is exploding. We have uh, more and more research. Um, and so there's a lot more um, to, to really understand in terms of patient care. And so we all contribute. And there's a lot of subspecialties also that contribute. You know, patients come not just with one issue. They come with multiple issues. And so really to deal with a patient and to improve their, uh, their outcomes and their quality of life, we all have to work together. Um, it really takes a village to, to help this patient um, to a better lifestyle and a better outcome. As a student and now a, uh, specializing in, uh, in endocrine uh, nursing, how does that, how does that what, what uh, Catherine and Chris Yedinak, how does that translate to you? How does that affect you uh, working in, in this uh, interprofessional practice? And how do you get prepared for that as a student? I think um, one example recently that happened on campus with one of our intensives was when the endocrine specialty certificate students collaborate, collaborated with the cardiology students to examine um, a case study of a patient and it really highlighted how we as um, nurse practitioners that specialize in these various areas, how we would individually approach um, a patient and their diagnosis and their comorbidities, the medications that they're taking, and maybe some of the things that we would specifically focus on given our area of, spe of ex 
expertise that you know we've been trained in so it was really excellent to see you know if we were to collaborate and have that interpersonal connection with someone's in nurse practitioner in cardiology what that would look like so I think having gone through this program and getting to experience that prior to jumping into practice is phenomenal yeah. so uh, uh, that for those um, for those people that are interested in in uh, in nursing and a specialty, uh, what uh, let me ask you this: Can a nurse specialize in in neuroendocrine disorders, or is it an endocr endocrinology um, uh, practice that they specialize in? So, for yeah, a registered nurse, yeah. I'll let Catherine answer yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> you go first. I'll fill in. Go ahead. So I know for me as a registered nurse, uh, when I was interested in endocrinology, you get hired into the endocrine practice, um, not specifically neuroendocrine. So you are tasked with, you know, checking in and working with um, various patients extending from diabetes, osteoporosis, thyroid. So it's not specifically focused on one type of patient. Okay. For diagnosis. Yeah. yeah, so this is true really for most specialty practices where nurses will show interest in a specialty or be hired into endocrine, for example, and then they may have a preference for working with certain physicians that only see pituitary tumors, for example, or see neuroendocrine patients. So they can further their expertise by, by narrowing that down if they find certain physician colleagues that have that expertise and then they work as a team, right? Um, most of the time you're not gonna be hired specifically to do only one type of patient because the need is broader than that. Um, but really you learn on the job. So you know when you're in nursing school, we don't train people specifically to practice, even specifically in endocrine. Mm -hmm. um, we, we train them to be nurses, registered nurses, and then they will learn the specificity that they need on the job once they are hired. And that's true really across the board for any specialty practice. So they challenge them to get more narrow endocrine nurses, or er, I should say endocrine, or nurses that uh, specialize in endocrinology. It's at, the, it's at the clinical level. I guess the question is, how do you get more people interested in, uh, in, in, the, in the profession, you know, at the clinical level? Uh, Chris, why don't you take that one? Because I know you've, you've been at it for, since you started I, I, I your think, career. You know, I think, you know, to launch from, from where Catherine was, was talking, um, it, yes, we, most of us learn on the job um, in terms of the high, we're hired into a practice. That practice then may have a variety of subspecialties within it. And that's very typical of um, any medical practice. Um, and most of us then specialize by learning on the job. And I, I would, I think that there's a, not enough emphasis at the moment in more um, basic programs, the um, introduction to nursing even, you know, in, in BSN and and master's programs, I would like to see a little bit more emphasis on endocrinology because it really is a driving force for most systems in our bodies. And so understanding that really does help to connect a lot of the other comorbidities that we see um, over a lifetime. So 
one of the the um, emphasis emphases that I would like to see is more content in in those programs and perhaps that will interest a few more people into going into this specialty um, when I tell people now as graduate nurses the importance of the pituitary they have a very basic knowledge of what the pituitary is and yet it's a very vital force and so understanding that can really help you to understand a lot of the systems and the function of, of bodily systems so um, I think that's where it begins is, yeah. is at that level yeah I, I think you're so and for me as a patient you know it was such an amazing thing to the science of, of uh, the pituitary gland and hormones it's just fascinating and I don't think people have any idea you know, in the general, not forget in the general public, but even in the patient population, even with a pituitary disorder, how I critical this little thing is, you know. And so when you start learning and the wonders of, and the wonders of what we know, we don't know. And if you talk about endocrinology generally, the endocrine system directs a lot of, most systems in our bodies, most functions in our body are directed through endocrine processes. Yeah. yeah. So for uh, I wonder what your thoughts are on um, the quality of primary science education and just general student preparedness for science that, that kids, you know, in high school or in college aren't prepared uh, or aren't, aren't exposed to some of this fascinating work uh, any, any thoughts on that and think from your point of view that, that that should improve to get more people interested in the sciences and in the, in the work that you do? I definitely think there's a lot of room for improvement there. I, you know, when you, for example, when you come to nursing school, you have to have prerequisites for anatomy and physiology and some other science-based courses, and those tend to be courses that students really struggle in. Yeah. Um, and then, it, you know, in undergraduate nursing programs, there's more, some more of that, more anatomy and physiology, um, and it's really challenging. And, and there's pathophysiology, and those are almost universally some of the courses that the students, even in their graduate programs, struggle with the most. And so I think your point about the starting early in their training, yeah. right, in high school is really critical because it's just not something that really a lot of students are very strong in. And so that can translate and trickle down into difficulty with later training. Yeah. I think for me, a lot of the feedback that I have heard from other students, even throughout my bachelor's program and throughout the master's, is oftentimes they find, or, or the belief is, is that endocrinology is so complex that it's almost overwhelming for them. Um, but again, there's the beauty behind that complexity um, that you can tie into the patients and how it affects so many other systems. So I think that might be one of the challenges, maybe the perception of how complex this endocrine system actually can be. Yeah. Well, well I'm sorry to say that we, cannot, we have not been able to reestablish connection with Lisa, but I, I think what I'm gonna do is, um, We'll try to get Lisa on the phone afterwards, and then uh, get some of her input and and uh, included in the 
in the podcast because I know that there's so many interesting and things going JD, on in the UK. Um, I also and reached Chris, out to Ben Moore yes. in Australia, um, and um, she was interested. So I'm hoping that we can connect with her and also um, patch her into the discussion. We'll do as soon as I yeah as soon as I okay. connect to the studio, we'll see her. In our panel, so okay. she'll be able to. We'll, we'll connect her. Yeah, I hope I hope she does. Uh, so let's let's continue to discuss a little bit uh, other challenges and opportunities in in your work, um, w w Catherine. What are th what are those? What are the? Let's let's start with the opportunities, I guess, and then um, and then uh, you know move to the to the challenges. And probably more. Are there more opportunities or more challenges? <laughs> oh, there's always a balance, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what keeps us going in life. Um, no, I think this might be a good time to bring up the endocrine specialty program that we started at Duke University. So basically, Duke University School of Nursing, within the graduate program, um, started a, an endocrinology specialty training program specifically for nurse practitioners. And this program started back in 2016. And it really was started in response to the overwhelming need for more endocrinology specialists, right? We know that the number of endocrinologists across the country and really across the world, Lisa can speak to the UK um, and other areas, but we know that there's not enough doctors to meet the need that patients have across the country, especially in rural and underserved areas. And so with this in mind, knowing the resources that we have at the School of Nursing, I started the endocrinology training program at the School of Nursing for nurse practitioner students. And it also enrolls currently practicing nurse practitioners who are already licensed. And they come back to Duke for a year long training specifically in endocrinology. And so using this knowledge, they really are able to go out and take better care of their patients all over the country and kind of help to fill the void that we have with specialty care. So I've had patient, um, I've had students from Alaska, I've had students from Montana and Idaho and all these rural areas that are desperately in need of more help from endocrine's perspective. And so this is one opportunity, as you said, um, for us as endocrine nurses and advanced practice nurses to really help fill the gap for what is, you know, that the patients are experiencing. So I, I think there's definitely a need for more training programs. I mean, we can't do it with our program alone, um, but this is one model for how we can raise up more advanced practice nurses to help fill the void. Yeah. What are the challenges in recruiting nurses, I guess, and how do you guys go about that? Uh, um, you know, wh how do you identify what sort of communication programs do we have any, you know, obviously doing something like this helps, you know, we get the word out and we, we talk about it and we get, hopefully get people interested in, in pursuing a career in endocrinology and nursing. I think so. awareness is really a big issue and it's a big issue worldwide. Um, and it's not only awareness on the part of nurses, it's awareness on the part of of uh, medical institutions and physicians as to what nurses bring to the table, you know, how we can contribute to outcomes, how we can contribute to research, how we can contribute ultimately to, you know, to patient care. Um, and we know that particularly in rural areas across the world, um, and in some countries actually, there are not enough endocrinologists 
We know that uh, diabetes, for example, is pandemic. Um, the the cost and, and the manpower that's required yeah. is far in excess of what can be provided by endocrinologists. And uh, what's happening is a lot of that uh, burden in care is being shifted to primary care. Um, and so even within primary care now, uh, nurse practitioners need a, a a high or, or a greater depth of knowledge about endocrine issues. And so I think we have to, to start, as we, we said previously, way back early and really educate people about what the needs are and uh, have a little bit more emphasis on endocrinology. In terms of other ways of getting the word out that we really need nurses, yes, this is a valuable source and thank you for doing this because it really is one way that we can re educate people about what that need is um, and how to access it. There are more programs coming online worldwide. Um, Catherine has one program, which is an excellent program at Duke. Um, Mount Marty in Yankton, South Dakota is, is also looking at their need in their rural area because there are very few endocrinologists to service a large service area. Um, and so they're looking at bringing on an endocrine yeah. program. There's an endocrine program also that I'm sure Lisa will address in the UK um, that's specifically for, for nurses. Um, so we really need to, to broaden the scope and have people, uh, more people engaged in that, more support from, from uh, institutions, more support from physicians to, to educate nurses because ultimately um, that's going to help share that burden of care um, and provide a greater number of yeah. people with access to care that they currently don't have. Yeah, that is so critical. And I know uh, that you will be in Argentina in October uh, yes. doing precisely what you're just talking about, which is exposing nurses. Uh, for those in the audience, the World Alliance of Pituitary Organizations, which we're all members of, is putting a, a, a conference in Argentina to uh, concentrate their efforts on nursing and endocrine nursing in Latin America, which is... Uh, in dire need yes, of help, yeah. I would, I would say, uh, there's a lot of uh, and there's uh, opportunity, opportunity there. So sorry, there's opportunities uh, for nurses to to come to that program no. as well, um, and find the Federation of International Nurses in Endocrinology will support um, some nurses to to travel to um, uh, Buenos Aires. We are going to have a course specifically mm -hmm. on pituitary disease um, at that meeting. So um, I, I think all the opportunities we can provide through organizations such as FINE and the Endocrine Nurses Society um, in the U.S., the um, ESE um, has a nurse program. The, there's another nurse program that, that Lisa will address, but in the U.K., so we have uh, also pituitary organizations and, and endocrine uh, organizations in Australia. So we have a lot of, a lot of uh, opportunity to spread the word through those organizations as well. Yeah. yeah. 
Yes, go ahead. I want to add, yeah, I want to add one thing. You know, we're talking about, thanks, um, Chris, for highlighting all those important organizations. I think it's, that is important for awareness. One of the practical things that happens with um, hiring of endocrine nurses is that clinics will look at costs and they will um, hire CMAs or you know, medical assistants um, who are very valuable part of the team and very important. But they will do that instead of hiring a registered nurse, for example, for cost-saving measures. Um, and I think it's really critical when you're dealing with patients with chronic diseases who are complicated, who require you know, sort of population management, continuity of care, that you really strongly consider the value that an endocrine nurse, registered nurse can bring to your practice. Because if you start thinking about the additional value they can bring, the leadership they can provide, the direction for the clinic, the care for the patients, that's of a greater level than a medical assistant, for example, um, I, I'm almost certain you will find that to be a very cost-effective measure in addition to improving quality of care for your patients. So that's just something to consider. That's been a, a historical challenge because clinics are always looking for ways to cut costs, but you also want to think about um, the value added and the other benefits of having a registered nurse in your endocrine practice. So I would just put that out there as a plug and something to consider. Yeah. Uh, Laura, your perspective is interesting. It would be very interesting here because what, how did you uh, become aware of, um, you know, the, the, your interest in it? Uh, I mean, I know that you, have, you having acromegaly makes obviously a, a, a difference, but you, you became interested, if I remember our discussion, in, in endocrinology after you learned that you had acromegaly, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so having... Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. So having an endocrine disorder yourself absolutely is going to um, spark an interest, especially uh, yeah. if it's related to what's going on with yeah. you as an individual. I've seen those with type 1 diabetes and that kind of uh, spurs their interest into going into endocrinology. Um, Can you think about it before you were diagnosed, with what interest you had in in endocrinology or uh, was it was that something that was even in your radar as a student so prior to acromegaly so no i i didn't have an interest in nursing at the time prior <laughs> prior oh, that's, to that's interesting. that <laughs> so um my diagnosis really was the driving point to leading me to this career to be honest with you and i knew throughout my bachelor's of science program that I wanted to specialize in endocrinology. However, upon graduation, um, yeah. I was instructed that you must work uh, at least one to two years inpatient prior to specializing and going out into the clinics. Um, I don't know if that's standard across the board, but where I was, that was kind of the message that was relayed to me. So um, I did my inpatient time and thoroughly enjoyed that. But I knew ultimately endocrine was where I was headed. So as soon as I saw that opportunity arise, I jumped at it. Yeah. But, however, you know, I, I did work in the clinic, but it wasn't until recently where I became active in the various organizations that um, Dr. Yednak was discussing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's fantastic. Thanks, Laura, for that uh, that perspective. That was really interesting. So let's just shift a little bit and talk about the resources available for for nurses or uh, 
people that are interested in nursing uh, to get into the pr in the into the profession. What what would you recommend, and where are they these resources? And do we need more? I'm sure we need more. <laughs> so I'll let you, uh, Chris. I'll, yes, I'll start with you on that one. <laughs> so absolutely, I think. Um, <laughs> The organizations that, that exist at the moment um, are very, very important. Um, and certainly the Endocrine Nurses Society are available for support. Um, FINE, members of FINE, uh, the Federation of International Nurses in Endocrinology, both have websites that are accessible. They have um, people that can discuss the, the pros and cons of, of um, working in this environment. Also. We have support for education. Uh, we have grants. We have grants for um, uh, endocrine-related um, research and people to help with that research to, from where to go if people are in programs uh, such as Catherine's program, which is an extremely important resource. Um, we can also support those people to do capstone projects uh, both with expertise and, and with finance, financial support. So I think those are, are very important um, accessible organizations, but also participating in the patient advocacy organizations, I think, is really important. Understanding what's, what mm -hmm. types of patients you see, what the needs of patients are, um, how uh, we can help patients with access, etc., uh, and the WAPO the, um, is a very important act, uh, uh, an acromegaly community is an, an important advocacy group. Um, there's a Cushing Society within, and there's many diabetes associations as well. Uh, Catherine, what are your perspectives on, 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 this, on this subject of, uh, uh, you know, the resources available for, for people? It's, uh, uh, and I, I suppose, uh, you know, sometimes it's not so much that the resources are not available, but how as a community, and I think it's what Chris was talking about, how do we all work together to to make sure that this word gets out and people at least get the opportunity to understand what the, what the uh, resources and uh, what these programs are all about? Um, yeah, I, Chris did a wonderful job laying out some of the actual organizations that people could consider looking into. But I want to point out the importance of mentorship in this process. Yeah. Right? I mean, so much of this is us telling other people what we do and why we do it and why we love what we do. And I talk to people all the time about career paths and even about going into nursing just in general, not to mention endocrine nursing and how I got to where I am and, and, the, and the things that I went through and good and bad, right, getting to, to the career path that I'm on now. And so I think um, that's really critical. I think from a patient perspective, thinking about, oh my gosh, this nurse was amazing. Um, telling other people this could be a great career path for you. Yeah. I mean, it's just the it's word of mouth too, right? Which is so true in so many areas that we um, just need to highlight what we do and why we do it, and be open to sharing that with other people, so that that can be um, a way that they receive information in a genuine way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. ask you um, your t for your perspective. One of the things you know, one of the reasons we started. A pituitary world news. Not the only reason, but one of the reasons was to see if we could affect early diagnosis. 
And we thought that the idea of awareness, uh, that is like you just mentioned, the patient being understanding their body more and maybe asking a question that would uh, focus the physician more on, let's say, a diagnosis than not. And then the physicians obviously having these conditions on the radar to put it on the list of possibilities maybe earlier than they typically do. So people, as you know, in acromegaly and Cushing, they can go eight, six, eight, ten, depending on who you believe, years uh, bouncing around doctors and not understanding what they have. Uh, from a nurse, nurses or nursing perspective, what, what are the things that you think we may be able to work on together to affect that, that uh, dynamic, you know, early diagnosis, m more awareness, those sort of things? But do, you, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, Chris, I know you and I have talked about it a few times, but uh, yeah. Well, I can start and then others please fill in. But I think yes. this is something that nurses do really well, which is patient advocacy. So in this sense, it is like believing what people are telling you about their body and advocating for them helping to find an answer. Um, you know, we have patients all the time that come into the endocrine clinic with weird symptoms that are not explained by laboratory testing or diagnostic testing. And so part of that is really, you know, just sitting down and saying, I hear what you're saying, we're gonna help you find out what's going on, right? Yeah. And, and part of, what I think, what happens in that diagnosis lapse is that people aren't paying appropriate attention to their symptoms and it gets disregarded. And so that really is where nurses can excel in many ways is that we, you know, we're trained to look at people from a holistic perspective to listen yeah. to patients and advocate for them. So what else do you guys think, Laura? Yeah, I think one of the things that we do as nurses is translate. Um, as a patient, understanding what's happening to your body um, and being able to explain that in terms that are critically understood by the medical community are often two different issues. And so I believe what nurses do is make that translation or help the patient to make that translation into terminology and into yeah. um, a, an understanding that's mutual between the patient and the medical community. And so um, as, as, a, as a collaborator, I think nurses at all levels do that. Um, the more knowledge we have about specific diagnosis, and often that's related to higher levels of education um, and more involvement within a patient care, um, they have a greater opportunity then to influence the outcome for that patient and be able to make the diagnosis ultimately or uh, refer the patient to the appropriate specialty for diagnosis. And, you know, we, we do see a lot of yeah. patients within endocrinology that have multiple issues. They don't just come with one specific endocrine problem. And so that compounds and confounds that diagnosis to a large degree. So, uh, yeah. so that yeah. can help with that. Well, by no means I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Yes. This is these are complicated things, you know. I don't, and by no means we're trying to make it like, yeah. oh boy, you guys aren't paying enough attention. No, that's not it at all. But it, it's so interesting to think about it, and also whether you know simple things like increased conversation could actually affect 
you know, or amplifying, amplification could actually affect some of these diagnosis rates. Uh, Nora, you, uh, how was your, you, as a patient and a nurse now, your perspective is just fascinating because you get the two sides of it. Uh, how, how long, I can't remember how long you were misdiagnosed or undiagnosed, I should say, not misdiagnosed. So from a patient uh, perspective, uh, as someone who's went through this as a patient, yeah. you know, my experience with acromegaly was a little bit different than the norm because I was diagnosed rather, rather early in my, in my um, journey with acromegaly. Yeah. So, um, but the thing is, is I think Chris kind of hit it on the head is advocacy and nurses are really put in a position where they can really advocate for the patient, but also patients themselves are learning how to advocate uh, for themselves as a whole, becoming more knowledgeable. I think where things get a little complicated is, um, which Catherine already kind of alluded to, is uh, the lack of providers um, or the shortage, so to speak, that will that's present or will be worsening here in the future. Yeah. Um, we really need specialized nurse practitioners in endocrinology to fill those gaps to help those patients who um, need someone on their care team that is well educated in a, in a specialty such as endocrine and that's where I think um, Dr. Kreider has really stepped in to help fill that gap with her program at, mm -hmm. at Duke. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm amazed as, as a nurse to see that and I feel wholly supported in my endeavor to pursue the depths of endocrinology as a nurse practitioner and I'll feel well equipped when I finish that that program um, you know if that program didn't exist I couldn't uh, I can imagine you know my knowledge base if I were to just jump straight into a specialty that yeah. can be as complex well, education so is I critical uh, no doubt yeah you you when you walk into your first clinical practice you come in from an educational standpoint, totally prepared to deal with anything that comes in, in front of you. So that, that, that is, it's so much better than probably learn. It's important to learn on the job too, but that takes a lot longer, I would think, you know? So well, I think that's the one thing about endocrinology is that it is so complex that it is forever changing as we see oh, guidelines yeah. update all the time for even one specific endocrine disorder. So if one thing I can say as a nurse in endocrine, and I'm sure Chris, uh, and Catherine would agree is that this is a lifelong learning journey uh, if you choose to take that path as an endocrine nurse. Yeah, so which, uh, maybe end with this question and then uh, I'll ask you another question, but uh, in, the, in the thought, the, the thinking about, you know, technology moving faster than we are able to understand it and all these things happening with AI and everything else today. Any thoughts on the, the challenges that, that or, or I would say opportunities that technology is posing uh, in your practices and, and the way you do uh, your job or you think you, you know, how, what, what sort of effect it's gonna have in the future. Uh, so uh, I guess AI is the elephant in the room <laughs> that we're all trying to deal with today. Uh, I find it fascinating mm -hmm. and scary at the same time, obviously. Uh, any thoughts on that? 
I mean, my first thought when we just talk about technology in general with endocrine is so far it's been only helpful for us when we're talking about working with patients and, you know, insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors and communications with patients and insulin pump technology, which is improving rapidly. That's all been great, right? Yeah. It's really facilitated better patient care. AI, when I think about this from an education perspective, seems a little more threatening, right? Like, how do we make yes. sure that students are learning content and not um, developing their papers using AI technology? So there's different uh, ways to think about it, right? And, and how we appropriately harness that technology that maybe it will even improve education, which I bet it will. We're just trying to figure out how that will actually work. Um, but so far from a patient perspective, I think it's been a really good thing and it can even give providers um, maybe help with differential diagnoses, for example, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're only human. We don't, we can't keep everything in our brain at any given time. So there's ways we could think about it really facilitating better patient care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interpretation within medicine um, and it's very individual and it's very, um, experiential and so if you haven't experienced something um, for example if you have not never seen a patient with acromegaly then how do you recognize that patient with acromegaly and I think one of the things that's that's been very important in my practice is that knowledge and and that gestalt I guess um, if you have a high level of suspicion yeah then you can move forward with it. I think AI will help us with that and will help with early diagnosis. It has the potential also to help patients to be able to move forward in presenting themselves and being able to explain their symptomatology. I think it's a little scary also in that it can lead patients perhaps down the wrong path um, also, and so the key to me with AI is that communication piece, the communication with the physician, the communication yeah. with the nurse, um, and, and just kind of a little sideline to that, you know, we know that nursing is one of the most trusted professions, and so people tell nurses things that they don't necessarily tell yes. a physician. and. And so I, th I think so that's a really important part of that translation and the use of things like AI so that we can benefit the patient ultimately and benefit the outcome. Yeah, yeah. Well, for us, the, the scary part of AI is that, you know, potential of, yes. of getting misinformation out in a way that is, that is so crafty right. and well positioned and and that, so that that is an ongoing battle right. that I think I think we all have and have to watch. Uh, so it, well, this has been fantastic. I can't thank you enough for for taking the time. Uh, let me uh, just a side comment. Uh, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to talk about? One of the things that really to me is important about working with patients with pituitary disease is the long-term relationship. So we see our patients, the chronic, and endocrine diseases are chronic. And so to me, one of the wonderful things about working with patients with endocrinopathies of all kinds is the fact that you know the patient well, you grow up with the patient 
you understand them and they understand you, you share a life together that's quite different. And it's so rewarding yeah. to see how that patient develops and their understanding and how they progress through the disease. I can't emphasize that enough as, as a reason for people to go into some kind of endocrine um, disease treatment program or, yeah. or process or, or um, as a nurse. I, I think it's great. Yeah. I yeah, you know, I will I will give you the patient perspective on that, and I will tell you that it's so critical and and uh, just makes you feel so more secure when you have a team that you know are understand what you go through, and they, you know, they, they uh, Dr. Blevins, you know, my partner in pituitary, talks constantly about long-term uh, patient uh, care, and it's 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 critical. Yeah, because so many people jump between one right. and another and they have to start over. Uh, but those relationships are fantastic and they're invaluable uh, for the patient. You know, those, those of us who are lucky to have those relationships with our, with our care team are really very lucky because we feel okay. supported. You know, we feel like there's somebody ha that has your back. And it's sometimes for patients really difficult to understand right. what it is that they have, you know, like you're saying. So the translation part is critical. Uh, and I'm sure, Laura, uh, your perspective is, is great on this because you're seeing both sides of it. So I, 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 I am sure that you're going to be one of the best endocrine nurses in the world <laughs> because it's just <laughs> that perspective. So, so thank you for well, going into Laura the Laura uh, is the future the of endocrine yeah. nursing, okay? Yeah. And we're very proud of her. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think I'm blessed and lucky because I have wonderful mentors like Dr. Yednak and doc Dr. Kreider. Like I'm highly thankful that I have the opportunity to learn from them and you know participate in the endocrine nurses society with them. And from the patient perspective, we want to build those connections with our care team. Yeah, absolutely. We want to understand our diagnosis and we want to feel supported throughout that journey because it is a long one. It's often a life-long yeah. journey. So when we have excellent, well-educated um, providers, nurse practitioners, nurses, it makes a huge difference in how we feel supported and our overall outcomes. Yeah, it's very true. Very true. Well. Thank you. This has been fascinating. I'm, 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 sh I'm sure uh, people are going to absolutely love hearing your perspectives. And uh, we typically get a lot of comments and questions, and I will pass those along as we get them. Uh, and uh, I want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart for taking the time. I know we had a couple of uh, uh, starts and <laughs> goes on this to get everybody together. And, and hopefully yep. we can get Lisa and and then in Australia, and we can get their perspective. That All would right. be wonderful. Thank so you, thank JD. You again. Appreciate you doing this. Okay. Thank you. Thank All you right. You take care. Thank you. thank you. This has been another exclusive podcast from Pituitary World News. We invite you to subscribe to our articles and podcasts. To do that, go to pituitaryworldnews.org and check on the subscribe button. It is totally free. 
Thank you. And thank you for listening. <laughs>